Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd be hit with paramnesia if you gave me the false idea that you missed this week's show. Get off the recruitment merry-go-round. When someone leaves your nonprofit, it's an opportunity to carefully assess Not a time to jump into a hasty job description and post it on LinkedIn. Terry Beckman shares her strategies for thoughtfully recruiting, developing, and retaining talent. She's founder and CEO of High Goal. On Tony's Take Two, 22 NTC. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. It's a pleasure to welcome Terry Beckman to Nonprofit Radio. She has worked in the nonprofit sector for over 30 years, including five years as an executive director. She understands leadership challenges and has been a strategic advisor and consultant to executive directors and CEOs as they grow their organizations, teams, and boards. She and her team at High Goal help nonprofit leaders increase revenue and community impact. The company is at highgoal.co, that is H-I-G-O-L for High Impact Growth Oriented Leaders, and she's at Terry Beckman. Welcome, Terry. Hi, Tony. It's great to be here. Pleasure to have you on Nonprofit Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Let's let's go right in because I think this is an area where nonprofits could benefit from some uh, some advice about taking a, a breath. So let's say someone has just given two weeks notice. What do we do? What do you do? Yeah, it's nice when you get two weeks notice, right? Sometimes oh, <laughs> that even doesn't happen. Right. Or it can make it three days or 24 hours, but I was trying, I thought yeah. I was trying to give uh, like an average. Yeah, yeah. Or I quit now. I had a client who she had a team of 10 people and five of them left in one week. Either they were fired or they left on their own. And, oh, uh, gosh. Okay. Well, I did. I quit a job with 24 hours notice once. Yeah. If, you, if you get mad enough, you know. Last people- job, yeah. The last job I had, uh, I quit it with 24 hours notice. That was 19. Uh, no, that uh, was 2003. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. I, 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 I am certain that I would be a lousy employee. <laughs> you, you wouldn't want to onboard me. You don't want to retain me. Right. Offboarding me in the interview. <laughs> We'd compress. Yeah. With me, you'd compress the whole, compress the whole cycle. You could onboard. You could, you could you do them one day. Yeah. You could interview <laughs> onboard and offboard me in, in uh, like an hour and a half. <laughs> Just, you know, Tony, work, it would put your, it would put your practice out of work, but it would accelerate the cycle. At least there'd be a lot of, there'd be a yeah. lot of motion. I can promise well, that. Yeah. Okay. It's, you know, some of us are meant to be entrepreneurs but you know, most of us are not. So that's yeah, why I'd be a lousy employee. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. Vacation request forms and, you know, please could yeah. I have Christmas day off, you know? Right. Yeah. All right. So yeah. let's go so, to this. Uh, let's go to yeah. this reasonable hypothetical. You got two weeks. Okay. Notice. Yeah. So you have what two you, weeks notice. Want, yeah. What do you want folks to do? Yeah. Well, the first thing actually, you know, for executive directors, typically this ends up on their plate in some shape or form, right? For the other 95%. And um, 
you know, the first thing I advise folks is just to take a deep breath. Like you really don't have to panic. You don't have to panic. Um, even though I'm sure whoever has, you know, resigned has a to-do list 10 miles long. And of course, your biggest fear is that's going to become your to-do list, right? But that's a, you know, it's really, that's a short-term problem. And um, so the first thing really is to take a deep breath. And I think that in a way, the very first question is, you know, do you, do you really still need this position is the first question. And, you know, if that's not clear, maybe the, you know, maybe the, the job as it was, you know, originally constituted doesn't make sense anymore for the organization. So, you know, like, all right. So I'm, I'm going to encapsulate that as a don't stress assess. There you go. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. If I could think of something rhyme with, if I could think of something to rhyme with panic, I'd say don't panic and do something else. But I couldn't think of anything that rhyme with panic. But don't stress don't, assess. Don't. All right. So but step you're one, saying, so step number maybe, one. Maybe the yeah. job isn't needed, but you had someone in the job. So isn't the, doesn't that de facto mean by the, yeah, well, forget by default. Doesn't that de facto mean the job is needed? We had somebody in it. No, that doesn't mean the no, job it doesn't. is needed. Okay. What do yeah. We do? Yeah. Do we so, you know, I think, I think to answer that question also, it's nice to just take a breath again and ask yourself, you know, is my vision clear for the organization for the next 12 months? Like, where, where do I really want to bring the organization in the next 12 months? Where's the potential? Where are opportunities? And then that, if that's clear, then you can really, really look at how does this position contribute to bringing the organization to that point over the next 12 months. Then you're, you're, you know, you, then you're sort of stepping out of the, the kind of the panic cycle, right, of someone leaving and getting much more strategic about, you know, time and money and skills, right, which is this great resource in a sense that you have to be able to rehire um, and, and really looking at, yeah, what given these resources, how would how could how would I like to best deploy them to really help me leverage where I want to go over the next 12 months? I think that's ultimately the question. And that might be the same job, right? That of the person that's leaving. Okay. And maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's slightly different. Maybe it's a completely different job. You know, the other thing that can come up is also looking at the org chart, right? <clears throat> And this is especially true. Okay, wait, wait. Uh, I'm going to stop. Before we go to the org chart. We'll, sure, we'll yeah. Get, we'll get to the org chart. Okay. Um, I promise. But so so you're suggesting like maybe there are things that this this job could encompass that the previous person wasn't doing, or maybe some of the things are better done elsewhere. And yes. like maybe this has been in the back of your mind or. All of those things. Or maybe, you know, maybe it hasn't been in the back of your mind, but. All right. You know, sometimes when, you know, we, we stay stuck in patterns with people, right? Like, okay, this is my job. Leave me alone and let me do it. And they kind of do it reasonably well. But, you know, the, what happens, you know, organizations are living, are living organisms, really. And so they're, you know, their environment is changing. They're changing. The dynamics within the organization is changing. 
the board is changing, all of these things that there's fluidity to them. And especially coming out of the pandemic, right? There's a tremendous amount of change that's happened over the last couple of years. Um, And so it could very well be that this position was not, is not really best focused and aligned with what your current needs are. Okay. You you know, and it, it, like you said too, could be that this person, you know, maybe they're doing things that could be even outsourced for less money so that, you know, low value kinds of repeating activities so that, you know, in the next incarnation, they could be focused on activities that are really bringing a lot more value to the organization. Those are, yeah, those are questions you can ask around that as well. You know, I just feel like every time there is a, someone leaves, it's a great opportunity just to do a little refresh to see how does this position align with where we're really headed as an organization. Okay. All right. So don't stress, assess, take a breath. That, that 10 mile long to-do list, right? I mean, it can be, uh, maybe some of it can be delegated. Yes. Right. I mean, if it's, let's, if it's a database person, you know, you're not going to be, you're not going to be querying the database for the next mailing. You're going to, I hope not. Yes. Right. right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. So take a look at, you know, uh, so you have to have a conversation with the person, understand what is coming, right? Yes. Yes. That's, okay. you All know, right. that's certainly another piece of it, right? Is kind of preparing that person to leave. So there's the forward looking piece of like, okay, what do we want to do with this position moving forward? And then there's the backward looking piece, which is equally important. So knowing what is coming up, what's a prior, you know, what does this person see as a priority? What it, you know, what does their to-do list look like? You know, and that also, I think, naturally leads to the exit interview as well, um, where the person has a chance to really honestly share, you know, their insights about the organization and, you know, what they see the strengths being, where they see the weaknesses. Um, if there's, if there are other, you know, people leave organizations for all kinds of reasons. It, it's helpful if they can really be honest with you or if you have an HR person about, you know, why, why are they leaving? It's always, it's always very helpful to, to know that more, more clearly. That's a, a, a and I, I still have the org chart in mind. We're going back to the org chart, but the, the exit interview, I mean, that's, isn't that hard for the CEO to, to conduct because he or she may be the reason that the person is leaving, or if they're not the direct reason, you know, if the person yeah. is unhappy in their unhappy with the organization generally or with their job, I mean, it ultimately feeds up into the CEO. Right. So, you know, what level of honesty are you likely to get when it's right? Yeah. The CEO, you know, yeah. exit interviewing. Yeah, I think it depends on the circumstance. Um, certainly, that can be the case that you know, especially if there's tension with the CEO or the executive yeah. director, it could be that it, it might be better suited for someone else in the organization to do the exit interview so that it creates a little bit more safety um, for the person leaving. That could be the case as well. Okay. Um, all right. So the org chart, you want us to look at the, as, yeah. we're, as, we're, uh, as we're not stressing, we're assessing. What, right, right. What's, what's, what's the role of the org chart here? Well, I, so that, yes, that goes back towards sort of the forward facing again, right? Um, assessing. Um, it, it's a similar question, right? So is the org chart 
you know, is it where we need it to be given where we want to go in the future, right? Or does, is this an opportunity to tweak the org chart a little bit and to, to really think about, you know, if we were ideally organized, what might that look like? And again, I think if you, if you're facing more than one um, person leaving, then obviously there's more flexibility and kind of re looking at the org chart. But I, I, I think that's always worth a look, you know, that's always worth a look in the assessment. You know, do, does it make sense if you're going to be changing the job description? Does it make sense? Is this person reporting up through the right, you know, the right supervisor, for example, through the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's, always good to look at. And in the earlier example I gave of the client who lost half her team. Yeah. Five out of 10. Right. Yeah. One thing we talked about is all 10 of them were reporting to her, which just was too, too many people. Yeah. So part of what we, we did was create a middle layer, right. Where, you know, so she had no more than four people reporting to her and just gave her a little bit of a buffer because that was very challenging. Yeah. Ten direct reports. I'm not too sure many. anybody should. Uh, I'm not sure anybody yeah. should have that. No, it's too many. Yeah. yeah. So you know uh, that was that was a chance to look at her org chart. So it just it depends, you know, on the circumstance. But it's a it's a good thing to to have a look at. I think okay. when someone leaves now, with with fifty percent of uh, that person's staff leaving, uh, was your client the problem? Um. You know. Yes and no. So I, one thing that um, she took the time to do at that point was to really create their core operating principles. So she, you know, took some time to create five core operating principles. And this was super helpful. It was really um, gave the, made it very clear up front that this is who we are and this is how we operate. And it really it was very tied into value statements, right? Like this, this is the way we will treat our clients. These are, you know, these are our principles in a sense, in terms Mm -hmm. of how we work. Um, And because she had team members that were not aligned with those core operating principles, it was definitely part of the problem. And so there was huge tension there. Um, So working on that, you know, and we're going to kind of start leaking into the job description. We wanted to put up front in the job description really, and we had done work on this as well as a clear vision and mission for the organization. And then those core operating principles so that whoever's, you know, whoever applies, that is the very, very first thing you read. Um, And there's discussion about that in the interview so that, you know, there's real alignment when people are coming on board, they really understand that this organization stands for certain things. And if you're not comfortable with that, this isn't going to be the right place for you. It's time for a break. Turn to communications. They have a free webinar coming up, Crisis Communications. You ought to have a plan or at least the outline of a plan. And that's what they're going to cover in this free webinar. They will take you step-by-step through a Crisis Communications plan or protocol, if you like the uh, if you like the more State Department sounding crisis communications. You want to be prepared. I don't even want to go through the possibilities of, you know, that that a crisis could uh, could look like. 
I think we know enough about the, yeah, we know enough about that. You want to be prepared. Their free webinar is on March 24th. Naturally, if you can't attend live, you get the recording. So you sign up, they'll send you the link to the recording. And where do you sign up? At turn-2.co slash webinars. Now back to get off the recruitment merry-go-round. You, you started to talk about, uh, you started to mention, you just mentioned the, the attributes of the job. Uh, how yes. does that, uh, I mean, they need to be aligned with where you see the organization going. Yeah, definitely. They need to be aligned with your organization chart. Right. Uh, right. What, what else? What yeah. Else what what else? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, most job descriptions that I read are um, elongated to-do lists. <laughs> that's what they look yeah, like. Well, there's the me. responsibilities and the, and the qualifications, basically. Right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The introduction about the, about what the, what the organization does yeah. is the key responsibilities. And of course the last one is always, and other duties as assigned by exactly, yeah. Advisors. Whatever I tell you, do whatever right. I say. <laughs> right, right. You could have just, you could have just put that. You could have just had the job, the, the key, the key responsibility is one bullet. Everything we tell you to do, you know, you do. do what you need to do. <laughs> so again, condensing, yeah. condensing down. Conden- but, yeah. Um, and and then there's the and then there's the skills. You know, skills required or skills right. optional, skills preferred, skills required. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. All, all that stuff. An experience. Right, right, right. All right. You don't care for that. Uh, you don't I, care for that so much. Well, I wouldn't say that those things are not important, but they are. We give those things way more importance, I think, in the hiring process than is actually the case in terms of what will produce, you know, a highly productive, highly engaged person that has the skills you need. And we'll be there for a long time. Like putting all the emphasis on the two list, man, and especially post COVID, that is not the way to go in my experience. Um, you know, people are really tired of being treated like widgets. I think that's a big part of what we're seeing in the great resignation. Mm-hmm. And the great, great resignation is certainly affecting the nonprofit sector as well. Oh, yeah. um, and so, what I would, I would, I suggest is folks, I think you're going to have plenty of time to develop to-do lists, right? That's really not a problem. The, 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 the thing that I encourage people to think about job descriptions is it's a marketing tool. This is a way to attract the right people to your organization that are going to be committed to it, that see it as more than a job, right? That see it as something that they're, they have a role in creating something that is bigger than the sum of its parts, essentially, bigger than themselves. Um, and this is, you know, I, I think people, this is, we're really craving for this now as a culture and a society for deeper meaning in our work. Again, you know, this is what is really getting reflected in, in, in folks who are part of this great resignation. And so, um, you know, like as I said, we we I like to see people start with mission, mission, vision, core. Take some time to develop core principles, and then you get into the the meat of the particular job description. But I want to I I like to see folks write the job description from the perspective of 
helping the applicant understand how will this role play a part in helping the organization meet its vision? Like what's, how are they contributing to that, right? How are they contributing to the bigger picture? A lot of times that's never discussed even, you know, again, we just kind of like hire people, like we buy toilet paper. I mean, at least that's what we've done in the past. Um, And, you know, you just put yourself at a real competitive disadvantage doing that. Um, I'm not sure which is more scarce sometimes, toilet paper or, or, <laughs> or the people or labor. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, that's really true. They're both really scarce, aren't they? Yeah, I'm sure you would say that it's right. You're smart to hold out for the right candidate, not just take somebody who, you know, is pretty close. You know, they came early. Right. I've got this job. I got to fill it. You know, you want us to hold out for the right. Absolutely. Who is aligned yeah. with mission and yes. values, core principles. Yes. Vision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, the CEO or executive director is not talking to anybody except the final applicants that rise to that level. You know, honestly, even if you don't have an HR function, I strongly encourage that you get a hiring buddy, you know, a hiring partner, someone in the organization that's going to help you with the hiring process. And um, that can really help weed out all the folks who are not going to be a good fit, right? And, and, and attract the folks who are going to be a good fit. So um, one thing that's really nice to do, I like doing is um, having an application uh, that folks fill out in addition to providing you with a resume where you're asking them questions up front in the application. Um, again, you want to put all that good, juicy stuff up front around your vision, mission, the core values. You could put that there in the application and then ask the questions. Um, you know, I would, I like to see people ask questions around culture and mission, honestly. And, uh, and, and this helps to, First, to know that they, it gives it really telegraphs quickly to the applicants that you're serious about that. Um, the questions other, th- like what, like what, what? How would you? How do you ask questions around culture? Well, like, are you committed? Are you committed to, or yeah. we're committed to something? Are you like yes, check yes or no, or, or I'm, I'm oversimplifying? Yeah, yeah. So. You know, like, I, again, it depends a little bit on the organization and its values. But let me give you some examples yeah. of, of questions that I've seen in applications. So one is, you know, what is your commitment to um, professional growth as an individual? What's your commitment to that? Um, how do you see, you know, how do you see your, um, you know, your individual growth contributing to the the wider organization. Um, what is what attracted you to our organization? Why do you want to work for us? Um, um, what's you know how how important is collaboration to you? You know, you can ask questions. If you want to have a strong collaborative team, you can ask questions around collaboration. Um, how closely have you collaborated with others. Can you give me an example where you were working on a team project and there was miscommunication around the direction that the project was going? What did you do? How did you handle it? Those kinds of things. 
So it, 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 it causes people to stop and actually have to think, right, about how they would handle something like that and what's most important to them. This process, I mean, first of all, a good number of people will never fill out the application, right, because they're not really serious about the job. Or they'll fill it out in a very cursory way, right? They kind of half fill it out. They'll give one or two, you know, kind of three-sentence answers kinds of things or three-word answers, I should say. Um, and so those, it's just easy that way. It's like, no, 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 no. And then folks who are sincerely engaging with the application, they're serious, right? They're serious about the job. Um, Another so, right, so so it serves a screening purpose, but also yeah, you're even just starting to onboard the person. You are. You're you, you're showing them what's important, and you're making sure that they're aligned with 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 that yeah. culture. With yeah, that right. exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So it has a practical purpose as well as a, a practical immediate purpose as well as a midterm purpose for uh, for helping screen and and on and onboard. I should say that's the. That's yeah, the midterm. It is. It's the beginning of the onboarding. Yeah. Starting to socialize them to the organization. Yeah, okay. I love that, Tony. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. And then I like to see your your hiring buddy is handling the applications, right? Um, if if at all possible. So you want to make sure that you're on the same page with that person around about the culture that you're trying to create in the organization. If that's really kind of a culture test. Um mm. You know, based some, you know, basic skills are important, but you want to remember that skills and experience are actually the thing that we can get the fastest. Like a person's motivation and um, kind of their, you know, yeah, their motivations and their preferences, those things don't change very quickly. But skills and experience, we really, in a year's time, you can gain a lot of skills and experience if you're very focused, right? In, in, in something. So, I mean, you can't obviously become a brain surgeon in a year if you're hiring a brain surgeon, but there's a lot, I mean, given our information age, there's an awful lot of experience and knowledge that people can gain really pretty quickly. Um, of course, it's, it's great if you can get someone who has solid experience that you can benefit from, but I just, I feel like we really give that a little bit too much weight. Um, let's talk a little about uh some diversity and equity in the in the job description yeah uh you know there's 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 a a, a focus now on you know less traditional education but but life experience being enormously valuable and equivalent to formal education right Uh, how do we how do we convey that and also you know how do we encourage communities of color, underrepresented folks, you know, to apply for what may look like an all white organization? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Really good question. Um, I always like to see um, an affirmative statement in that regard, um, you know, in, in the job advertisement, for sure, can also put it on the application something to the extent that you, you know, you, your organization really values inclusion and that people from all backgrounds are very welcome to apply. And so this gives essentially, um, you know, this is a signal to folks from different backgrounds that they're welcome there. 
you know, that they're welcome to apply. So that's, I think, one thing that can be very helpful. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, this, this idea that life experience has real value as well is certainly true. Um, it depends on the, obviously, to the, um, the position that you're hiring for. But if you think carefully about the qualities, this is another piece, actually, that's really important. If you think about the qualities that are required when you're doing the job, like the, the patterning that's involved when you're doing the job. For example, does the job require a lot of research? Um, does the job require a lot of follow through? Or does the job require you to sort of sort through bureaucracy quickly and find a solution to things, right? Which is a little different than follow through. It's like kind of the other end. Does it require that you be fast on your feet and be able to kind of speak to people that maybe be comfortable speaking to people that you don't know um, and, and be asked questions that you're not going to know ahead of time? Those kinds of things. Or is it more of a position where, you know, you're... Um, ensuring um, that the organization doesn't take too many risks, that it, you know, that it doesn't fix what's not broken, you know, like accounting, for example, you know, might be more in that realm. You know, these are, these are ways of um, behaving in jobs that are actually, um, we are wired to, to act in different ways, just by virtue of who we are. And everybody is wired a little bit differently in terms of how they do their job when they're striving. And I'm sort of giving you some examples of, of different kinds of patterning. So um, it can be very helpful to also put that in the job description. And there are some assessments that also will help, that can really help you be able to measure things like that. But just to think carefully through that, right? Like, and that also will attract, you know, for example, if the job requires a lot of follow through, if it's really a process, a repeating process that you're asking someone to manage, mm -hmm. you know, you want to put that kind of language into your advertising and into the, you know, into the job description so that you attract people that have that quality. Um, and of course, that has nothing to do with education or experience necessarily, it's more how people are wired to work, if that makes sense. As we become more aware of that, we also tend to get um, a wider diversity of folks applying because it has nothing to do with, you know, um, with any kind of physically born attributes like gender or race or ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's... Um, well, I, you know, it also raises the question of, um, um, salary ranges yeah. for, for equity. There's, there's, there's a, a lot of concern that not putting a salary in, yes. uh, a salary range, um, discourages folks or, or disadvantages folks who might end up being offered a lower salary because because of their background, it. you know, yeah, because of their their skin color or their background. Yeah. So putting a, a salary range in, you you like yeah. to see that as well. I do like to see that. Yeah, I definitely like to see that. I think that that does create um, that does create more equity. It's not, you know, it's not to say that you're going to pay everybody the same because you're not. Um, and no, it's and, a range. 
pay, yeah, and pay, you know, pay needs to be um, very much accorded to value, right? The value that's being created in the position. Um, so I think it's totally fair game, you know, to pay f- <clears throat> fundraisers potentially more than you might pay somebody else. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, that's, I think, totally reasonable. But <clears throat> where, the, where the equity thing comes into play, and I have seen this, where um, organizations have not posted salary ranges and they will they will get an applicant in. This honestly, particularly, well, I think it happens with race and gender. It certainly happens with gender. You know, they'll get somebody in. I remember an executive director saying to me, man, I think she's, you know, she's given us writing examples and she's going to be the communications manager and I can get her for $15,000 less than the guy who left. And he jumped on that and there was no salary range posted, you know, and now that is, you know, especially the nonprofit sector, it takes a long time, right, to make up $15,000 cap yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, she, she'll have to jump organizations to do it. Um, and if they're, if they're bringing the value, right, then it's worth the investment in that person. And it's worth, it's worth, it really is, it is worth it to be equitable, because that means she won't have to jump, right, to actually meet the value that she's creating. Like she probably knows that people know if they're being low ball. <clears throat> I think I think people have a sense of that, and you know, it so, just encourages so, sometimes them to, and sometimes not. You know, no. especially young people. I you know, and I don't know sometimes and sometimes I, I think especially that. if you've been trapped in in low salary bands, which you know I think <clears throat> my people of color and women have been for a long mm-hmm. time. You don't necessarily, you know, it's just tricky. It's just really tricky. You think people don't generally know then that they're. Uh, I don't think that they. They're being yeah, undervalued. That they're being undervalued. No. And it's sort of the sense of like, I've been undervalued for so long that you don't. And on some level, you don't, you don't necessarily, you know, it feels normal, I guess. No, because, that we have, which is terrible, right. The normalizing of. Of uh, of paid disparity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it has been normalized. You know, uh, maybe I, you know, maybe I was projecting my own. I mean, I I have a good sense of what I'd be worth. Right. Not that I want uh, employment. You know, we've talked yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. We made that clear. I'm not. I'm not right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I no, never... but I imagine you do have a good sense of what you're worth. Yeah, just given but, you what know, you've I'm, done in the past. Right. But I'm also right. a white guy who's 60 years old, so you know, I right. I, I know what my value is. Yeah. To clients as well as to potential employee employers, but right. uh, only the former is feasible. <laughs> um, Got it. All right. Let's, let's go to some onboarding. Okay. Besides, you know, we, uh, we said that the job description is sort of an entree to onboarding as you're, as you're exposing, right. uh, socializing, inculcating people to yeah. what's important in the organization and where it's headed. Right. Uh, but what what's more more formal onboarding do you like to see in Yeah. I don't know, the yeah. first 6 months is is onboarding 6 months? Is it 6 weeks? Oh man, it's so nice if it could be 6 months. You know, I it that's unusual, I would say. Right. Um there was a there was a company in the um, Research Triangle Park. It was a, a startup pharma company that has now been bought out by some huge thing. But they were so intentional in their onboarding that they literally, they didn't hire anybody 
and give them a job. All, they completely hired based on cultural aspects that we've been talking about. And then they spent six months in kind of the university of the, um, of the company, just, yeah. you know, just like immersing them in the culture and the values of the organization. And then at the end of six months, they evaluated where they should go in terms of a job. That's that sounds extraordinary, uh, uh, valuable, extraordinarily valuable, yeah, but very an, an outlier. not practical right. for a, non- yeah. a small nonprofit. No, but they created huge value in the yeah. Company. What a commitment! Huge value what a commitment to, yeah. to to your staff, your absolutely team. yeah. And it was reflected in their market value as well, and what they, I mean, just the quality of what the the work that they were doing. Mm-hmm. So that's the obviously like way gold standard. We're not going to be able to do that in most probably any nonprofit. But um, so it gives you a sense though of really how important it is and that it certainly should be more than just throwing the employee manual down on the desk if you have one. Like that's not enough, right? Okay. That is that is really not enough. First is do you have an employee manual? Many nonprofits don't. So that's kind of a whole nother topic. But yeah. it's it's very nice to have your processes, your procedures, you know, your policies written down in some shape or form so that, you know, you're starting to some assurances around equity and treating people fairly. Right. That is that is important. And that is something. So let's say that you do have that. That's something to spend some time with the person with, not just ask them to read it and sign it, but to actually walk through it and talk to them about what does that mean on a day-to-day basis? What do these things mean for us? The other thing I really love um, for there to, to be, and you can plan this over several weeks. It doesn't have to be like all in the first day, but taking the time to really make the introductions for a new employee. Like it's great if you what there are one or two board members who are willing to serve on kind of the onboarding committee, so to speak, you know, maybe this is part of your governance committee, something that they do, where they get to meet members of the board and understand that there is a board, there is a governance board, and, you know, have some personal, a little bit of personal interaction with a couple of board members can be very inspirational, right? From, you know, then they can talk about what drew them to the organization, why they volunteer there. Um, meeting volunteers is another one. If your organization has volunteers, certainly meeting the staff, right? Taking the time for that person to spend a few minutes with, with, um, each staff member, if at all feasible is it, is another really great way for people to start to get comfortable, right? Because then you, you have a name with the email and that kind of thing. It's time for Tony's take two. It's time to register. For 22 NTC, you heard Amy Sample Ward talk about the conference last week on the show. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the the biggest feature is 180 uh, workshops that you'll get the video links to. You know, you can uh, that you can if you can consume that much. Uh, I think she said the record was 50 some last year that that somebody watched. I'm not sure that's. I'm not sure that's the biggest feature. That, that's big, you know, 180 different topics to choose from, all smart speakers. You know, that's why this is the only conference that I affiliate with on nonprofit radio. I'll be capturing 25 or 30 different interviews from the conference speakers. But, you know, it's more the, it's the vibe. It's the 
the inclusivity, the planning that they do that make – it's not just their planning because you can do planning and it could still suck. But it's the planning that makes it fun. It's a, it's a lively place. Um, I'm looking forward to next year's, which will be back in person, but even virtual. They, they put a lot of thought. They're very intentional about the feel, the vibe of nonprofit technology conference. So I recommend it. March 23rd to 25th, you register at n10.org. If you want to see what people are talking about, of course, there's the hashtag 22NTC. I recommend it. I hope you'll be there. That is Tony's Take Two. We've got Boku, but loads more time for Get Off the Recruitment Merry-Go-Round with Terry Beckman. And probably better done one-on-one or maybe two-on-one. Yes. And this is the staff. Okay, everybody introduce yourself right. to, to the new employee. Okay, new employee, tell us about yourself. Okay, yeah. everybody sign off now. You know, go back. That's it, right. It's all, done. it's all done in an hour. You know, you don't get to know, you don't get to know yeah. folks that way, especially yeah. in, a, in a virtual workspace. Especially in a virtual workspace, right? Which but even so, more. you know, you want one-on-ones. You want one-on-one yeah. on one or maybe two-on-one. Yeah, uh, we're starting to build relationships, right? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Where do you live? What, 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 do you have family? What, yeah. you know, what movies? You know, what do you love? Music? You know, what do you do when you're not with us? Yeah, all that, you know, all that. All stuff. of that. Yeah. Right. What, yeah. What about the idea? Be a real exchange. The, I'm sorry. What? I said there can be a real exchange. Yeah, for sure. Right. Spend an hour getting to know somebody. Yeah. Um. What about the idea of a of a like an onboarding buddy? Maybe not so much a mentor, but somebody that. So I have one person I can ask. Well, yes. How do we do that? Well, how do I get access to the shared documents? You know, yes. I feel stupid, but you know, I can't get the Wi-Fi to work on my company laptop, or you know, whatever. Right? Yeah, somebody that can point you, point the new person in the right direction. Somebody assigned that, to you. Yes, I was. That was the next thing I was going to say is to have okay. like an an onboarding buddy who's who's willing to do that, and that can be a, a really nice function that can rotate right around the organization, and anybody at any level can do that. Right. So it's a it's it's a really nice way also of just kind of leveling the field in a way that everybody can have a role in in bringing on new people, which is really, you know, very nice and and helps, I think, in in just continuing to create that the stronger bonds across your team. Anything else we should be talking about onboarding before we move to keeping people? Um. I would say that, that maybe the most important thing is to have, you know, think through that onboarding process. I think we've given folks some really good ideas, um, but to think through it and write it down so that it becomes an actual process in your process, you know, um, and then it'll, then it's much more likely to actually get done. So write down the steps, the timing on it, how long the onboarding process will last. Maybe it's mm. a couple of weeks you know, and then the cadence of the different things, like every couple of days or whatever, there are different meetings that this person is exposed to. Um, the last piece, probably, Tony, that I would say, and, and this bleeds into the next topic, is um, with their supervisor to set some really clear goals for their first 90 days so that, you know, there's 
no misunderstanding. The employee knows where to focus and um, there's no miscommunication that the supervisor, well, you may be disappointed, but there's a much higher chance of success if, if you're both on the same page around what you, you know, what, what do you expect from this person in their first 90 days? And then at 90 days, talk about it, right? So, you know, and it's, it's really nice actually to even have little check-ins, right? You say even 30 days around those goals every, you know, so that if, if the person is having trouble or they're not quite focused, right, or they have questions around those goals, they have a chance to ask you. And that can just provide, you know, a really smooth um, kind of, you're really kind of greasing the skids for that person's success coming in. Okay. It's also scheduled devoted time with the, with the new supervisor. Right. Which yeah. should be at least monthly, I would say, maybe, maybe every other week. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, absolutely. It depends. I think a little on, yeah, your structure and hopefully if you're a manager, you have a schedule of one-on-ones Not, you know, I shouldn't assume that because I'm always surprised that people are not meeting one-on-one with people that report to them. But I am, this is, I'm assuming a little bit that you have a schedule for doing that. Right. And maybe it's every other week. Um, I, yeah, I like that cadence myself. Um, but this this would be um, kind of extra meetings or maybe a little bit longer of a meeting monthly to really focus in on those goals. Check on the um, goals, right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, very good. All right, excellent advice. Um, let's see, the onboarding, uh, the ret- retaining, onboarding. Okay. We started to bleed into uh, the retaining. Keeping- Keeping, yeah, yeah keep, keeping your good folks. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a great topic. I think, you know, keeping good people is all about your relationship with them, you know, um, and their alignment with your vision of where you want to take the organization. So, you know, if you if you're clear about the vision and, you know, even if you're not the executive director and you're the supervisor, you know, you still need to have a vision for your team. Right. Even if somebody else is setting the bigger vision, you want to have a vision for your team. Um, And, you know, depending on what it is, maybe it's, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to have, you know, we're, we have, we have great customer client satisfaction, right. And we respond to clients. We want to consistently respond to clients within 24 hours or, you know, whatever it is, you know, if you, you have kind of a vision and standards for your team, that's really important to develop in your own mind. And then to be able to share that clearly, right. With your team. Um, And then it's, it's all about developing and supporting the people that are working for you to meet those bigger goals. Um, And I think that those are, that is why one-on-one meetings are important so that you really understand what it is they need to be successful in meeting the goals Mm -hmm. um, and, and being able to get them the resources they need to, to do that work. Resources, including professional development budget, right? Yeah, absolutely. You want to be be supporting your folks for classes, conferences, uh, I don't know, certifications, so they keep learning. Yeah. And and understanding too, what are their goals? What are their professional development goals? Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. 
would they do, do they aspire to become a manager one day or an executive director one day? Um, and, and encouraging that, right. So that we're not the, you know, then we're, then we're actually getting off the merry-go-round, right. When we're starting to develop a, actually a pipeline of folks within the organization that want to grow up in the organization, you know, want to have bigger roles and um, creating a pathway for them to be able to do that, you know, is that's really the ultimate. It's a, it's investment in the in the person. Uh, it shows that there's promise. Uh, uh, there's a future for the person in the organization. Make you know these things all make it less likely that they'll leave. I mean, they may still leave, right? But if they you know if they if they feel supported, they see yes. a future in the organization for them for their own growth. Yes. Both in responsibility and salary. Yes. Uh, you know, they're, they're less likely to leave. Yeah. You have, and that's all be explicit. You know, you want to, you want to lay that out. Not when they, when they say, you know, then they give the two weeks notice. Too oh, late. Wait, we got a plan for you. You know, right. the secret plan. You didn't know the secret plan. You there's didn't read my mind. <laughs> yeah. There's a growth development plan. You're going to miss out on all this. Yeah. Right. That's not the time. Right. Um, at what point, maybe I'm, you know, you're stuck with a lackluster host. I'm sorry. Not maybe, at all. Maybe this, maybe this is going back to onboarding, but. That's okay. At what point, at what point should you, or should should there be, should there be a, a formal point at which we say, yes, this relationship is working. No, this relationship is not working. Yeah. Good, no. should, there, should there be a formal, like yeah, maybe could, it's a probationary period or something like that? Uh, yeah. I, I, that's a good question. That is a really good question. And oh, I have yeah. seen um, organizations um, have formal, like a 90 day, you know, it, it, that's, it, it is a little bit implied in that, right? So you're setting the expectations for, this is what we expect in 90 days. The goals, right. The 90 day goals. Yeah. 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 And I, you can be even more explicit and you can say, you know, this is, this is a trial in a sense. We're going to, for both of us, we're going to, we're going to see how this goes in 90 days and then we'll evaluate. I mean, you're kind of doing that right anyway. Okay. Um, you know, the, so there's a couple of questions that kind of come to my mind is from that, like, so what if they're not meeting, you know, what if they're not meeting their goals in 90 days? And I think, you yeah. know, if, if you've been meeting with them monthly and you've been talking about it, and you're giving them the support they need, but you're sort of sensing like, hmm, they're not able to do this. Like they're not fully engaged or they're distracted for some reason. You know, it's whatever is going on. Um, you know, you're, what's really good is you're having the opportunity to regularly have open, honest conversations about it. And then when you get to the 90 days, if the, there's really some clear gaps, you know, I think that's an opportunity for, um, you know, a more honest conversation that maybe, you know, maybe this isn't the right fit. Um, and, and they may, they probably will also sense that, right? They may sense that also at 90 days, maybe this isn't really the right fit for me. Um, yeah. What if, they plead? what if they plead though? Plead, I, I can do better. Yeah. Give me another 90 days. I, I, I swear I can do better. Yeah. Right, right. Without any, without any concrete reason why they didn't, like you know, if there was illness, yeah. you know, if there was something in the family, right? Uh, it was a crisis, you know. Putting that aside, there was yeah. no real, yeah. no real reason why they didn't, they didn't measure yeah. up in the ninety days. Right. But they're pleading for another ninety. 
Right. Oh, I can well, do it. I need the job. I can do it. Right. I think another 90 is probably too long. You know, if you were really in that situation, because that then puts you at six months with somebody who may not work out. Um, it, of course, it depends on the situation. And you'll want at that point, you know, you'll want to be talking to other professionals about that situation. Right. So if you have an HR person in your team, you want to be talking to them. Um, if you don't have an HR person, you want to be talking to the executive director. Um <clears throat> The best um, executive directors, honestly, or the best organizations have very solid relationships with employment attorneys so that you know what the laws are in your state. doesn't mean that you have to do anything in particular necessarily, but if you do move towards potentially terminating somebody, you want to, you know, you want to know what what the, the rules of the road around that are, Right before you enter into those waters. That is very important um, for, especially for, um, this is also, you know, a lesson that is a very painful one for people to learn. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're hiring at a senior level, right? So if you're a board hiring an executive director, or if you have like, a, you know, a chief operating officer or uh, chief yeah, HR, Marketing chief, development, marketing person, yeah, yeah, director of development, kind of anybody at that level, you know, when they come on, you're going to want to have um, agreements around, um, you know, non um, that they're not going to speak badly about the organization when they leave, and that that and that they're not going to take sensitive information out of the organization, essentially. So that should be part of the agreement that they sign when they're hired. <clears throat> um, hmm. Because when they leave and they're unhappy, that inevitably happens. Well, not inevitably, but that can often happen, that they're kind of trashing the organization. They're going to donors, saying bad things. Like you want all of that to be an agreement up front that they are not allowed to do that. And it's a binding legal agreement that you can have a lawyer write a letter if they start doing stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, especially, I hadn't thought about that, but especially talking to donors. Right. Uh, maybe talking to board members. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. I guess volunteers could, you know, volunteers yeah. could be just as serious. Yeah. Yeah. Bad mouthing. Right. Bad mouthing. Right. Generally, no yeah. bad mouthing. Like, and it's mutual. So the organization doesn't bad mouth the employee that's leaving and the employee doesn't bad mouth the organization. It goes both ways. Um, so that's, yeah, that's important to standardize, especially when you're hiring at a higher level, you know, for, for other levels, it may be not less necessary. I mean, you can just, you have to sort of evaluate that right across the organizational structure. Um, but you still obviously want to, you know, be aware of what the laws are in your state and, Mm -hmm. um, guidance from an attorney around how to handle terminations if it comes to that. But I think, you know, if, and again, it really so depends on the situation. But if you get to 90 days and you feel like this isn't really a good fit, you know, um, I would, you know, and somebody is wanting more time and, you know, so you have to use your judgment around that too, right? Uh, Do I want to give them another month? I wouldn't go more than 30 days though, right? Before you seriously evaluate again. And you would want to be very clear about what you'd want to see change, right? 
in that period of time. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't change, then, you know, then it's probably time to, um, to let them go. Um, but, you know, well, then we're back where we started with, uh, yeah, we are uh, back where we don't, started. Don't uh, what was that? Is that don't don't stress, assess. Yes, yeah, and okay. hopefully, hopefully, you've gone through a process where, you know, you developed a pretty strong pool of applicants. So maybe some of them are around mm-hmm. um, still, um, but if not, then you go through the process again. Um, I, you know, I like the the adage: hire slow, fire fast. Um, I just, I think that that's wise, you know, to take your time to get the right people. And if it gets to a point where it's not the right person, then you make that decision quickly. Cut ties. Yeah. Cut the ties. You also have to, you also have to put ego aside that, you know, maybe you, you that, that it, it appears you made a bad hire. If the person goes after three months or four months, well, right. you know, that that reflects poorly on, I, on you the, yeah. on, the, on the CEO, maybe on the hiring buddy. If there was, you know, whoever was involved in the process, yeah. there were board members involved, right. You know, that we all made a bad choice. We, well, okay. Maybe we did, but, but maybe we didn't, you know, yeah. on paper and in the interviews and the application, you know, the person looked, yeah. looked like the right person, but right. so we have to put ego aside, I guess. Is what yeah. I'm it's very much so, you know, and I think anytime that someone, either voluntarily or involuntarily leaves the organization, you know, it's never like one person's fault, so to speak, you know, because there's just too many interactions and too many, it's just complicated, right? There's way too much that goes into that mix. But I think it's also really um, helpful when something, you know, like that happens, especially if it's somewhat unexpected is to evaluate, you know, and especially if it was like at a 90 day point, evaluate, well, Let's look at our process. You know, what's missing? What went well? What did we miss? What would we do different? You know, what would we want to do differently? And and do that as a team. Um, and it can feel, you know, I think as a leader, it can feel scary to do that because you sort of, you know, it feels like you're being somewhat vulnerable to talk about yeah, like, you're, you're, what you're, didn't work. It's introspective thought. You know, what what did yeah. we do wrong? What What could we do better? What? Maybe some of my, you know, maybe my contributions weren't, maybe the goals were not, uh, uh, maybe the 90 day goals were not fair or although. Or clear. You would yeah. hope that, or clear, although you would hope that you would figure that out in yeah. the 90 days and assess, you know. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Introspection is, is, is a big challenge. It's hard. Yeah. But it's so good. It is know? vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable. You're right. It, it does make you vulnerable. It doesn't take long. That's the other thing. I mean, you can really do a good evaluation in 30 or 45 minutes if that's what you're focused on with your team. And the insights from it are just invaluable, you know, mm-hmm. just invaluable. And this, you know, you want to create an environment where this is not about blaming people. It's totally not about that. It's really about looking at the process and what could we have done better. And I'll tell you, I mean, that's what you get out of that is worth, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of some consultant telling you. It really is. Okay. Okay. So leave us with some closing thoughts, uh, Terry. What about the process overall? Yeah, you know, right. The importance of, of assessment, et cetera. You know, leave us. I think we, we just know, fired somebody, you know, so leave us, leave us in an uplift. We just fired somebody. 
So leave us in an uplifting spot. Okay. Yeah. So you just fired somebody. <laughs> That's, oh man, it's always. Well, you and I, you and I just. It's a tough, tough place to be in. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, you know, if you've gotten to the point where you've had to, to take that kind of action, then one door closes and another always opens. Oh, always, yeah. always opens. And what you're looking for, like with actually every single thing that we talked about today, you're really looking at how can you unleash the potential of your organization, right? How can you unleash the potential of your vision? That's what you're doing. That's what all of this is about, right? It's, it's taking methodical, intentional steps to unleash that potential. And sometimes letting somebody go, it actually unleashes their potential too, because they may just honestly be in the wrong position. Right. Like if, if it's not working for you, for the organization, it probably isn't working for them either, if they're honest about it. Um, so it's all good. You know, uh, I think the, the key is to be is to not panic, to not react, to really be intentional and to be thinking about some of these questions that, you know, we've come up with, Tony. And, and you know, how how can you make the organization the best that it can be and really just get a you know, a team that is working together like a fine oiled machine. Terry Beckman. Outstanding. Thank you. The company High Goal, H-I-G-O-L. Remember, high impact growth oriented leaders, highgoal.co. And Terry is at Terry Beckman. That's Terry with an I and one R. Thank you very much, Terry. Terrific. Thank you, Tony. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. Thanks for sharing all your good ideas. Thank you very much. Next week, I'm working diligently on that. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission, turn-2.co. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. 